1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ArrowheadPride.com, and I'm once again joined by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, it's the first show of March. We are approaching spring. It's the NFL Combine. So with that being said, give me the top 20 prospects you like at number 30 for the Chiefs. (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah Yeah. okay you're really trying to go in like a lion here aren't you no (laughs) no just
1: kidding this is the news show we cover the news on this show you can all of course though this is the Red pride podcast network ron cop doing an excellent job for you guys on monday and friday we also now have a way for you guys to interact with us a new off-season program it's actually a regular season program but more so i guess next year than it was last year but Chiefs Coast to Coast has now taken to the Twitter sphere on Tuesday evenings. We haven't locked down a oh. time just yet, but they had their debut last night. It's great. Fans can come on and, and talk to them about certain things. Mark, our contributor and podcaster. Okay, Steve is telling me 7 p.m. every Tuesday, so it is locked down. So forgive me there, Steve. Um, 7 p.m. every Tuesday. You can go on Twitter. You can see it. If You have a Twitter account. The Arrowhead Pride Twitter account will be a space. Mark and Aaron will be running the show there. And Mark is just the space master. I have not seen uh, someone more obsessed with space than uh, since Neil Armstrong than Mark Gunnels. So he loves, <laughs> he loves some spaces. Uh, so make sure you if you want to get in some off season takes, you can actually talk to the guys, get onto our podcast channel more so than just the ratings and the reviews. And you guys came through last show. We didn't have any this show. We have three to read. Oh, Okay. first, as a first time podcast listener, I can't express how much I love the different hosts and shows AP provides for listeners. Good analysis and insight while also being lighthearted and funny. Keep up the good work. Uh, This one. Thank you so much to the AP team for putting together the loads of great content for us each week. While I love to listen to each show each week, I must say my favorites are the Great British Chief Show and the AP Editor Show. I have two questions for Pete and John. I kind of miss the old white-on-white road unis the team wore before introducing Mm. the red pants back in the early 2000s. Do you think the white-on-white should make a permanent comeback for all road games? My answer is yes, but I like it with the red socks like they did in the 2015 comeback. They started wearing those white-on-whites, and they never lost until the postseason. Where do you fall on that, John?
2: Well, um, I've always been a fan of the red pants because that harkens back to the days when i was a kid more recently okay. i have i've begun liking the the white on white look more you wore i wore a I, lot of
1: red pants as a kid is what you're saying
2: no the chiefs did
1: okay uh, i didn't All right. i Just didn't ever sure. wear
2: red pants as okay. far as i know now I don't, you know there may be photographic evidence i'm not aware of or something <laughs> but i i don't think i ever did wear red pants but I, more recently i've i've been coming around a little bit on the white on white i i don't care about the socks as much as a lot of people do, but um, um uh, you know they're going to do what they do you know they change it around sometimes and uh, that's what Andy did and uh, excuse me not Andy but uh, what Marty did in the 90s by bringing that white on white in and uh, it became the favorite for a lot of fans um and so actually the white over red was was kind of a throwback uh mm-hmm. thing that came along here more recently um, so they're gonna, they'll switch it around, I imagine, I, I think we'll see more of it in coming games than we have before.
1: I do have some uniform inside because I used to work for the Chiefs for three years and I'm pretty good friends with, who's considered the brand manager of, of the team over there and one thing I, I will tell you is they'll never go into the realm of like wacky, I think they really enjoy the history, it's always gonna be these traditional colors, now there might be I, different combinations uh, yeah. as you're mentioning, but those, uh, what do they call them? The color rush? You'll never see uh-huh. a yellow on yellow, gold on oh, gold. Thank God. Uniform in Kansas City. I do like white on white with red socks. I, I've been pushing for years uh, via my Twitter account, which uh, nobody reads, that the Chiefs should make that their regular road uniform. I just think it looks the sharpest of them all, more, more so than, than red on red. I love the white on white with the red socks. I do think the home uniform uh, should stay the same. Talking about the Chiefs and being traditionalist, I think there is something, too, where mostly the, the uniforms look the same, dating back to the original days of the team. I think that's kind of nice when you watch that old grainy film and the Chiefs and Vikings are wearing the same stuff for the most part today. Yeah, I think that's a really cool part of it. All right, question number two. My wife thinks Casey Wolf is kind of creepy. His crazy eyes, I think, bother her. But my daughters and I love him. What, in your expert opinion... Is the creepiest mascot of any sport? And oh. Which one is your favorite? Keep up the great work. I love you guys. I'll answer this one first. My favorite is, of course, Otto the Orange, the dancing orange at Syracuse. He can uh, completely spin his entire body around as he's dancing. There's nothing like it. It's my grad school alma mater. Uh, so I love that walking orange. The creepiest mascot, I think right now, and it's, it's creepy by design, it's the gritty of the Philadelphia Flyers. They've made him <laughs> kind of like this. Troll type mascot, and and I think it's intentionally creepy, uh, and it's funny in a way. So that's that first came to mind. Do you have anything coming to mind, mascot wise, John? I,
2: I agree that gritty is is frightening. I I, I can't say yeah. I've ever had bad dreams it's about a it, but now Gritty's that you brought it up, I'll probably have them tonight, and it'll be right. it'll be your fault. So. Check back,
1: check back next Arrowhead Pride Editor Show editor show one week from today. I know you'll be waiting for John's uh, picks <laughs> for the mascot. All right, let's get to our last review because we got to get into this combine stuff. Hi, folks. Love all uh, the shows at AP. Keep up the great work. My question for you is, do you think there was an overcorrection to the two high looks the Chiefs got? I understand that will dictate what's available, but it seemed for a while it dictated the Chiefs identity. I remember at one point last season, about halfway through Mahomes' air yards per attempt was 30th in the league. I feel like next season there should be a focus on finding more of a happy medium. Don't let other teams choose your identity for you. Thanks, y'all. What I'd say about this is I think there needed to be a drastic adjustment at the beginning of the season, but as the season wore on, in my opinion, the Chiefs were best when they were really leaning into balance. And even Andy Reid, as great as he is, sometimes got away from that. And I wonder also, too, because of of all these decisions and RPOs and, and whatnot built into the offense, how many times Reid was just offering Mahomes the opportunity, and Mahomes himself was making the mistake to throw the football instead of leaning into the run game or, or the check down and i think it ultimately all came to a head in the afc title game and we saw the disaster right. that was that that second half but that would be my take on it I, I would agree with you i think especially let's say game nine or ten down through the stretch when the chiefs were balanced and you really didn't know if they were going to run or pass and it wasn't a lot of the year it really was just in that like a, that window that i'm talking about that was the best the offense looked. And it, it did seem to get away from them and rear its ugly head in the AFC title game where Mahomes just wanted to, uh, for lack of better terms, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James and just do it all himself. And hard to do that in football. And, and you saw the, the Bengals adjust and they went to the Super Bowl because of it.
2: Well, I agree with uh, the listener's point that you never want to have the other team dictate what you're doing. You always want to be playing your game uh, in the NFL. And so I think that's a that's a fair point. Uh, there. And I agree with you, Pete, that uh, there were moments, you know, a little past the middle of the season where the offense did seem to have it uh, get get it together in these areas. I'm not sure it was an overcorrection. I think the Bengals figured out that uh, that if they gave those looks that would invite the Chiefs to run, that Patrick would tend to pass in those RPO formations. I think the main problem is giving him too much freedom there. That's what I would think.
1: Yeah, and, and this is the time where the coaches go through the scheme evaluation because they got to get what would be the building blocks of the new scheme and the tweaks in place so that they can go and get players that, that fit it. I mean, the best teams in the league will always uh, adjust to the players uh, that they have, and, and they, they'd like to find guys that sort of fit what they want to do, but Andy Reid always... You know, he, he'll he'll start with the scheme and then as he sees how the roster shapes out, he'll adjust it as they go. So they're working on that right now, the scheme fixing and the adjustments and what they have to do with Patrick Mahomes in the offseason. So, all right, uh, we had the, the NFL combine. I know that they talked about it on the Chiefs coast to coast Twitter space a little bit last night where we had Brett Veach, the general manager. Speak and Andy Reid speak, and just before we get into that in a second, I I want to make a quick quick point, and and I, I promise we're about minute ten here, but we're gonna get into the combine stuff. I find it really odd right now leaning into the NFL Combine, the underwear Olympics, the drama with the Chiefs coaches, while we have this insane war going on. It does feel a little bit weird. I understand that we always lean into sports and stuff as a proper distraction. And, and we need that our lives. I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, but I just want to say our, our thoughts are with it. I mean, as much as I'm checking this chief stuff in the combine and trying to get you guys that information, my eyes are, are always on that. And it's just, it's wild. I mean, you even have something like the SAG awards going on where they're talking about outfits and we have this, this, and again, you have to go on, life has to go on. But uh, for me, it's, it's a it's a weird time, isn't it, John? Don't you don't you feel a little bit the same way that I mean, I mean the stuff that usually is so important to us, it just feels far less important.
2: Well, it's harder for us because we have to do it for a living. You know, we, of course. we can't we can't just yeah. take our eyes off of anything we want to. Um, so but I agree it's it's hard.
1: Th- and thoughts out, out to, to Ukraine. And, and I think it's good to see that there's a lot of European nations binding together and, and America kind of jumping on that. So see so yeah, how it goes. Um, again, hopefully the war comes to an end sooner rather than later. All right, let's get into this NFL combine from yesterday. And I think the first thing that Andy Reed wanted to do, and this was, and, and I want to emphasize this, this was before he was asked a question. Yes. Right. I wanted to talk mm-hmm. about offensive coordinator. Bien-Aimé. Let's go to that sound.
3: This whole thing with Eric B um, that's been written has gotten kind of fabricated we we were on vacation and uh and over the two weeks i came back and all of a sudden it was that i didn't like eric and eric didn't like me and pat mahomes and everybody else and that's not the case i mean we all get along good and and uh um, i'm glad he's back with us and rolling so um i thought he'd potentially get a head coaching job which i would have been happy with too but that's not how it worked out. So anyway, I just want to put that to rest. The rest of the time is yours.
1: All right. So as you hear Andy Reid there using the word fabricated and reassuring. And I think before any questions were asked by what is all of the media of the NFL, just making sure that everybody knew that they are behind B enemy and Mahomes. Now, I, I, I want to make it clear. I, I don't know if this necessarily means there weren't any issues, but right. what I, I think he's saying is, the typical issues that happen when you're in the heat of a football game. And maybe there'll be right. some adjustments, but that is something. And I think the grand takeaway is we're going to work this out internally where all engines go here.
2: Right. I I, I don't think he could have uh, been reasonably expected to push back on it any harder than he did. Um, you know, I, as, a, as, a, as I pointed out in an article the other day, I would expect – a team that just failed to score uh, anything with time left in the half and having a first and 10 at the 15-yard line, I, I, wouldn't, I would expect any good team to argue about that at halftime. And uh, so I think it's reasonable to think that they argued about it, that there was discussion about it. It might have been heated. But that doesn't mean these guys don't like each other that doesn't mean they're going to fire the offensive coordinator in the offseason. And that's the, I think that's what Andy was communicating uh, yesterday was that, you know, yeah, we're all fine with each other, you know, and I, <laughs> how hard is that to figure out, you know, no, <laughs> they've it, been fine with each other all this time. How would that have changed? Because they had an argument at halftime.
1: It's true. And, and I think, Another point that I, I thought about this as well is it, it's a little bit of the sign of the times because if some random, what would be message board on the internet in the early two thousands mm. or whatever wrote up a story, it, it just didn't have the means to go as right. viral and, and reach the surface as it does now. And for right. the head coach of the chiefs, Andy Reid, of 21 years having to really address what is a random rumor and rumbling that, went for lack of better terms viral it's interesting it's interesting Mm -hmm. the power i think that fans have nowadays the power that anyone has for these things to really go wild and then you have to to kind of uh, address them i I think such a sign of the times i think the the best case scenario and i think this is once again and i'm I'm going to repeat it i think it's once again what the, the chiefs are are rooting for is for Eric B Since we last spoke in the editor show to take another year as offensive coordinator, put everything he has into this and allow this to be the year that he finally grabs his head coaching position or what would be again, as we've discussed on previous shows, we go, I don't have to go back in the detail, but that offensive play caller, offensive coordinator role that has eluded him a little bit and, and, We'll see how it goes. And a big part of that is we, we mentioned the enemy being brought back for one year. Also, since we last talked, John, uh, Matt Nagy has been added to the fold, former chiefs offensive coordinator, former bears head coach was let go by the Chicago bears and became available. And here was Andy Reed on Matt Nagy.
3: Yeah. I probably should have had that in there. It's great to have Matt back. Um, I, I thought it was important that um, that continuity that we've had um, uh, between Eric, the quarterback coach, you know, the offensive staff. So I thought that that was important. So Matt was a logical answer to that if he wanted to do that. I didn't know where he'd be at after being a head coach, but he was fired up to do it. And Eric was fired up. So I go, let's go, you know, we'll we'll roll it in there and take it from there.
1: So Reed calls Matt the logical answer Mm-hmm. Reaffirms that Eric Bianami is behind this. Mm-hmm. Happy family. It is a little interesting, the dynamic. Let's let's say that because Nagy was the offensive coordinator right. where Eric, he was Eric Bianamy was under him. Sometimes things in, in life happens where you get reversed. I think Matt Nagy's additional senior offensive assistant takes care of that a little bit. Here, mm-hmm. Here's the reality of it. Matt Nagy as the quarterback's coach is going to be heavily involved in this offensive game plan. It's going to be a four-headed monster similar to what it's been where with Mike Kafka mm-hmm. who left for the New right. York Giants where it's going to be well, Holmes, Reed, it'll be B enemy and it'll be Nagy mm-hmm. and I think the key for this too is and I I've said this on Twitter wasn't really met with with the greatest uh, response but I I really do feel like Nagy, with that connection to Brett Veach and them going to school together in Delaware, Andy Reid is in his 60s, and I, I think someday down the road, should the Chiefs continue to have success, should Mahomes now get really comfortable with Matt Nagy, should be enemy get promoted next year mm-hmm. in, in some capacity, and Nagy can become the offensive coordinator, I'm thinking 25, 26-ish, Nagy is going to be in prime position to become the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and let's not kill him, I, I think, for the Chicago Bears days. He didn't pick Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky needed some work, right. probably entered the fold a little too raw, similar in a sense to, to Trey Lance, except the 49ers didn't start Trey Lance. The Bears went all in on this guy, trading up to, to get him and thought he would be game ready. The word around Trubisky, he spent the year as a backup in Buffalo, is that he will be a starter somewhere this year which remains to be seen it was a guy that needed more seasoning I think Nagy made the best of a a possible situation in Chicago it included a coach of the year award which is wild to see that he was fired Mm -hmm. just two years later and so just like Trubisky needed a little bit more seasoning maybe Nagy can get a little bit more seasoning now and we're not talking the 2022 version of Nagy as a potential head coach of the Chiefs we're talking what would be I would guess three to four years from now and working side by side uh, with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid by design makes the quarterbacks coach so important to this team and, and what they mean. And when you revolve around a lead quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to live and die by that quarterback's coach in a sense. And so that's why Kafka was in prime position for the giants to reach mm-hmm. out and say, we right. want you to be our offensive play caller. And now Nagy is in that situation. And I, I know it's been a weird offseason. I'm not going to lie about that. It's been very right. weird when it comes to the offensive coaching staff. But I, I, I feel comfortable for the first time in a while after these press interviews. I know they're saying a little bit of the coach speak and the organization speak. But I just try to fast forward my brain a little bit. And let's say the Chiefs go 4-0. I almost said the S-word. What if they go 2-0? I, I don't know how many people are going to be overly concerned anymore. It's just a, you know mm-hmm. the, the wound is so fresh and there's been all this random rumors and rumblings and, and I don't know. I I think, I think the offensive coaching staff is in a very good situation with these four guys. I
2: I would agree. And and yeah, there's going to be some awkwardness if you have a guy come in as a coordinator, who's a former head coach, but it's not like this never happens in the NFL. It happens all the time that coordinators uh, become, uh, head coaches because they had to run a success with one team, and they aren't as successful as head coaches, and they become coordinators again. This is this is unlike real life, you know. Normally, if you have a guy who uh, advances to what <laughs> what is sometimes called his level of incompetence, um, he's normally gone. But in the NFL, it's not unusual for what we've seen happen here happen that a guy it becomes a a, an offensive or a defensive coordinator becomes a head coach doesn't do well then becomes a coordinator again we saw this uh with todd haley you know he was uh, considered to be a hot prospect as an offensive coordinator with the cardinals when he was hired as the chief's head coach he did very poorly as the chief's head coach on a lot of different levels and then became a successful offensive coordinator uh, with Pittsburgh for a number of years. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I never liked Haley very much. And I, yeah, didn't, didn't, think he, didn't, like I, I didn't think he was going to do well right from the beginning because I didn't think he had enough experience as a head coach. But it was hard not to like his credentials as an offensive coordinator. And in Pittsburgh, he did a pretty good job for most of his years there. And uh, uh, so it's not that unusual for this kind of thing to happen. And I, I, I don't think that um, I don't think coaches are bothered by it that much. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it happen as often as it does. So, yeah, I get why people are worried about it, why they're concerned about it. But um, all indications are that everybody's on board with it. And, and, and like you say, Pete, these guys have worked together before and uh, there's no reason to think they can't work together again. What I will say is that I don't think we hear any more about this. I, I think yeah. Reed yeah.
1: and his opening statement was the last he is going to let any mm-hmm. information or anything leak through the cracks and they're moving forward. And yeah, um, and I think that's a good thing. I think enough of this, right? I mean, I, it, you know, if you're a chiefs fan and you want to hold Eric the enemy accountable, I, I think that's fine. But if you really want this yeah. team to win, I I think it's best for everybody to move on from whatever sort of happened because, It is what it is. This is a coaching staff for the 2022 season. All right. Speaking of the 2022 season, we still have some question marks about some important players and whether or not they'll be back for 2022. The Tyron Matthews saga continued in Indianapolis at the NFL combine. Wondering if this player who's been really important to the chiefs who is due to become a 2022 unrestricted free agent will be back. Here's, General Manager, Brett Feach.
4: Yeah, typically all the players on our roster, um, if their agents are here, we always make it a point to um, grab a dinner or, or, or just um, catch them in, the, in in between workouts and what have you. But again, that goes with all the players on our roster from um, one down to 53. It's always good to keep those communications and the dialogue open, so we'll certainly do that with Tyron and his people.
1: John, you covered this for Arrowhead Bride. A little bit more of the same, not really mm-hmm. a ton yeah. of detail there. I, I think we need to play it because we always need to play – the sound on on someone so important, but I don't think anything really changed with that statement. What do you think?
2: I agree. Well, this has been consistent, uh, you know, starting a year ago when there was discussion about Matthew being extended before the end of his contract. You and I both thought that would happen right mm-hmm. up until the beginning of the season. We were both thinking, yeah, this is going to happen before the season begins. And then it didn't. And the messaging that we got from both sides was just like it was yesterday tyron loves to be here we love tyron to be here we're gonna work to get a deal done but we don't know what that looks like yet and that's where we are now i thought it was interesting yesterday uh that the the site can you hear the siren there it's yeah, siren test day too. yes <laughs> um i thought it was interesting that um uh that Veach would go back to this well of talking about uh, how much they, they like him and speak of it as, uh, as the beginning of a process as if they haven't really talked before, but you know, the situation is a little different in that respect. A year ago, he still had a year to play that years behind him. That changes the information, the situation a little bit and on what they can and can't do and what the money means and, and all of those things, you know, It's just where it was that the Chiefs want to bring him back. They clearly value his leadership skills on the field. The players clearly value it. They talk about it all the time, just like uh, Reed and Veach do. And uh, fans may not see Matthew as a a big contributor on the field, but the team clearly feels differently about it. Uh, Whether or not they can make a deal that works, we don't know. We didn't know before yesterday. We don't know now. But uh, as I said on Twitter yesterday, if they don't make a deal, it's not because they don't like him. That's what it comes down to.
1: One of the things we've been doing this offseason on the Arrowhead Pride Editor show is running a poll for you guys in the morning. We've been reading it at the end, but since it has to do with this, we'll read the poll of the day today. And it was after the Chiefs press conferences from the NFL Combine. How do you feel about Tyron Matthews staying for – what would be the 2022 season? We've got a thousand votes, John, which is usually the breaking point for how it how the vote usually goes. Fifteen point eight percent, so about sixteen percent are more confident. About fifty nine percent feel about the same, and about twenty six percent feel less hmm. confident. And I. I can I again I I feel about the same, but I can understand where the less confident is coming from, and that's a fourth of the fans because it wasn't necessarily a statement of we'll get this done. It right. was just more of the yeah. same. And yeah. sometimes more of the same makes you feel less confident, right? Yeah, I can see that. There were statements that you know he could have came out and said he's a priority for us, similar mm-hmm. to how they've talked about Orlando Brown. Here's Brett Feach on Orlando Brown Jr.
4: Yeah, I would say, well, first off, with Orlando, I'm sure that's likely. Um, We're going to work hard to get a deal done with him. And and Herbie, after the the Cincinnati game, we had a chance to talk. Um, You know, we communicated that... We certainly love Tyron, and Tyron loves loves being here. This is actually the start of that process now. So once the season ends, kind of the, the coaches do their deal, and, and we sit back and we collect all the information we get with the coaches after they go through their scheme evaluations. And we know that once Indy rolls around, that we'll have a chance to, obviously on one end, see all the great college prospects, but on the other end have an opportunity to talk with our players' agents and, and exchange information. So we'll start that process this week, and, and um, hopefully everything ends in a, in a positive direction.
1: So you hear that like that? That's the difference in Brown and Matthew. You hear them saying we love Matthew, which I believe to be true. This was a key part of the Super Bowl title team. But the language on the Brown is he'll be here. And it's just so obvious. Now, different situations. The Chiefs can use the franchise tag on. Well, I guess not completely different. They could use it on Matthew, but it's been the case for a long time where it's probably going to be brown that gets the tag and we anticipate that in the next six or so days that's the window where they tag brown and buy themselves more time to discuss what would be either a long term contract extension or he just plays on the tag i've said this for a long time i i think it's been the plan all along with his representation for him to play on the tag give the chiefs two years to see him improve if he can shore up that left tackle position he'd still be at the age 25 26 and then you work on A long-term deal. Other stranger things have happened where maybe the Chiefs find a a window. We saw really creativity with Patrick Mahomes' contract. We saw creativity with the Chris Jones' contract when they knew knew they needed the space to sign certain players. So I think this is still out in the open. I I think this can still go a number of different ways, but I'm, I'm continuing to believe that he'll play 2022 on the tech.
2: You know, I haven't really thought about this much before today, but there could be something to uh, in this situation, it gives them a little more incentive to do a long-term deal with Orlando Brown at this point because it would open up the possibility of franchise tagging Matthew if they don't feel that they can uh, then make a deal with him uh, for a long-term contract that gives them cap relief this year. Um, I hadn't really thought about that before today, but just listening to you talk now, Pete, I wondered if, if, if this may be more of a, a factor than we've realized. That uh, they're they'll, they're perfectly willing to use the franchise tag on Brown. They pretty much made that clear yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. and it's going to be on among their options. But they would have more flexibility if they can get a deal done with him again. If they can make one that they think works, given the situation as it now exists, because there is some, you know, there is a, a, a fair point to be made that we need to see more from him before we give him a long-term deal. I think that's fair.
4: The coronavirus
2: uh, impact on the cap affects us too, because
1: it, right, should, jump,
2: right. it should jump back
1: up. It's still right. lower than expectations of long-term planning, mm-hmm. dating back to 18, 19, et cetera, right. when Beach was trying to figure out how to get Patrick Mahomes under the cap. And so yeah. it's, it's still at a certain point this year that's adjusted for coronavirus and with new TV money and yada, yada. It is finally expected to jump up in the coming years. Quite a beginning bit. Yeah, in 2023. Mm. Right. So what you could do in this type of deal is have the signing bonus sort of pay him, right, for this year. And then right. put, put the bigger hits later. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I, I, there is a scenario where that happens. I If it does happen, I don't think it's happening this week. I think this week will no doubt be the tag and then maybe you see
2: it before training camp in the summer if they're able to figure something out as they but go. I I agree. I just think that it's it's it just occurs to me that there may be some there may be some additional pressure uh depending on what this real substance of their conversations with uh Matthew's representation is. Um you know, if if it's you know if there's if there's no way they can reach any kind of a deal, maybe they don't even want to pay Matthew on the franchise tag. But mm. you know, that just that's that's dependent on how much they value his leadership, which is kind of an unknown quantity in this, in this equation. Right. Um, Right. You know what that's worth. That's always the problem with these situations. Matthew is obviously not being paid for his production. He never has been. He's Mm. been paid because of the leadership that he brings to the team. And that was on clear display in his first season with Kansas city and I think to some extent in this most recent season, even just by the way players and coaches talk about it, the question is, how much is that worth? And that's really hard for us to on the outside to, to really get a handle on
1: that. You, you know? know, and I, I'll reiterate this point that i made on previous shows. Defensive back production is just it's hard to really put and, and oh, grasp yeah. with your hands just because if you're doing your job, maybe they're not throwing the ball your way. Right. Right, If mm-hmm. Matthew's shading one side of the field, maybe they go the other way, so that complicates mm-hmm. things right. as well. All right, so we'll see about Matthew and Brown. Some lesser-known free agents that are entering the pool. Traverius Ward, the cornerback, and Byron Pringle, the wide receiver, both had good years for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. plural, and Pringle really broke out this year, and Ward continued to show up as what would be the Chiefs' pseudo-number-one cornerback. I know you can make a case for Lajarius Sneed, but here was Veach first, you'll hear, on Ward, and then we'll follow that with Byron Pringle
4: Uh, he's a really good player and um, you know talk about what he's accomplished over the last four years and you know acquiring him via trade from Dallas and then uh, early on right off the bat he showed how talented he was on special teams and then year by year he got better and better and better and and he's certainly a guy that just like Tyron and other these and some more of these players, we're going to have dialogue with them. I'd uh, Love to have Shavarius back. I think he's a talented player. He's done well in our scheme. Um, coaches like him. I like him. And you know, it's it's one of those things that you have to work through in free agency when you have a talented roster and try to get as many of these guys as you can and keep these guys under contract. Um, but he'll be a guy that we'll certainly look forward to spending a lot of time with here in the next few weeks. Well, I mean, Byron's another guy like, like War that over the years is, he's developed into a really good football player, and uh, both on special teams and you know, in our wide receiver sets, and, and he's another guy. Um, I think it's a good thing because we have a lot of these guys and that, that are good players, so it's a good problem to have, but again, just like Charverius and a number of these other players, um, we're not going to lose sight of these guys and, and look forward to getting with them and their agents this week and, and hopefully try to retain as many of these players as we can.
1: So this is simple to me. I think Ward is going to price himself out just because I think he's good enough for another team to maybe pay more than the Chiefs want to pay. And the Chiefs know him for what he is, which I would say is a slightly above average cornerback. And, and maybe if you can find yourself a, an average quarterback, a cornerback either on the free agent market or, or you can draft one maybe you're keeping Matthew it remains to be seen who could help him and, and bring him along. You do have a Sneed who can, could help what would be a younger player along. Maybe he is a free agent. I just don't think the chiefs are going to be willing to commit what Ward may command, which is maybe six, seven, eight. Who knows if it's even higher than that. If, if it really gets competitive for his services, a pretty versatile player for the chiefs. There's also Byron Pringle Pringle to me, Is more of a player that'll be back for that lower end
2: Mm -hmm. deal
1: that he still has some proving to do. Ward, I think, has tipped the scale a little bit and Pringle hasn't yet. I I think he's most valuable to the Chiefs. Yeah, that's fair. uh, More than what would be other teams. And so, of these two, I, I think I'm betting that Ward walks to another team and gets a handsome payday while Pringle is back on a lower end contract.
2: Well, for Ward's sake, you know, uh, I hope that's true. I hope he gets that big payday. I'm not convinced it will happen. I've said before, uh, I feel that Ward doesn't get enough credit for what he does. And some of that has to do with his status entering the league as an undrafted free agent. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that NFL coaches uh, would carry that, that as part of their evaluation. Uh, of a player, but it seems to happen. And I wonder if that will enter into how he's perceived across the the rest of the league. I agree. He's an above average cornerback and he's done a fine job in Kansas city. And, um, I'd love to see him stay. But, uh, if, if the chiefs can't afford that, I hope he makes a lot of money because he's earned it in my opinion. So
1: all right, we've talked about four players here. Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown, Traverius Ward, and Byron Pringle. I'll make some quick calls on these guys just to review. I think Brown is here on the tag. That, to yeah. me, I'm, I'm, I feel most confident about. And then second most confident, I feel Byron Pringle is back on a low-end contract. Third most confident, I feel Trevarius Ward walks for more money. Fourth most confident. I don't know about tired Matthew. It's amazing this <laughs> Portland player. I don't know the most. Yeah. Uh, I gotta think he's back. I, I'm i still like 51% back, but I just don't know anymore, John. I don't know yeah. anymore on this one. Do, how do you feel about these four guys?
2: Um, I, I agree with you. I would lean the other way on Ward a little bit, but I okay. agree that this Matthew... Uh, situation is just so difficult to judge right um you know if he was a player who was making a big on-field impact you know if he had a bunch of interceptions and you know uh, tackled like the sneed does and so on and so forth i think this would be a lot easier decision to make right but it just comes down to how much the chiefs value that that off the field stuff, the leadership aspects of it. And that's just impossible for us to predict. Uh, I think we can recognize it as part of the equation, but without being in the locker room, you know, without having off the record conversations with players, like we used to be able to do, and we don't anymore, it's just very hard for us to get any kind of read on what that's like.
1: Right. And, and the process begins with Veach and, Matthew, as he stated, they'll be discussing some things at the Combine, see if they can exchange information. It, it does sound like to me it's it's going to be a Matthew testing the waters and see if the Chiefs want to play ball type of, of thing. But who knows? You, you know, you could turn around and, and they could have this thing done as as well because players uh, can determine they, they are ready to, to do it. Same thing with the team. So it's a it's a wait and see type of thing. I wish I had the answers for you, but I don't. And so we'll, we'll have to see what happens when it comes to the honey badger front. When we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we'll we'll continue with some of the more minor chiefs stories, but we'll start with Frank Clark, who Matt Derrick had a little nugget from the side. So we'll get to that. We'll discuss what we think happens with Frank Clark, followed by again some minor news and notes to cover before we close it out right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. John, I've told you this. The combine is a little bit of a weird beast in in the sense that <laughs> there is... The main presser, which wasn't running at the right time, but it was running at the right time yesterday. We didn't know what was going on. There's the side-offs. So Matt Derrick is in the house. By the way, these guys all wore the All Juice Team t-shirts. Herbie T.O.P. had a a nice tweet about that. Uh, Therese Paler loved loved the Combine, so really paying tribute to him on the the first day as they were talking to uh, the Chiefs. But here was the tweet from Matt Derrick, friend of the site Chiefs Digest. Chiefs GM Brett Veach said uh, Frank Clark and or uh, the here were his comments on the twenty six point three million dollar cap number tied to Clark. That's certainly a high number and we'll have to work on that and do a lot of work on that. If he were to stay here, it may be a long shot, but it's not impossible. Again, it's all about translation at the NFL Combine. This translates to me. Well, if Frank Clark wants to stay here, he'll take a pay cut. If not, he's gone. <laughs> that's about right. it. But they haven't ruled it out completely yet. Right, John? I mean, that, right. that's right about it.
2: Well, and that's that's pretty much what all of us have thought up to this point. And here Veach is essentially confirming it. And he said, you know, yeah, this is going to be hard. And yeah, it's going to be hard. (laughs) It's not like we didn't know that. But he also said it's possible. And we knew that, too. It's possible. And uh, so it just comes down to to, again, some factors we can't really evaluate. Um, if, if they want to keep Clint, Frank Clark, it's not because of his huge production. It's because they think he brings something, you know, an intangible thing to the team, just as we believe he did in the first season he was here. I, I don't see Clark as being a leader as much as he was in that 2019 season, but maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, again, we don't have the, the, the we don't have a way to really judge that the way the guys who are inside the team can. Um, and I think the Chiefs have a clear idea of how much he brings. It's just a question how much they're willing to pay for it.
1: I do think Clark wants to be here. And I yeah. think Clark and Melvin Ingram have a good relationship. And yep. maybe that helps get Ingram back, which I know a lot of fans want. I know that players will have affinity for the city until it affects their bank accounts as well and i don't (laughs) think they they should be blamed for that either because this is still a business right imagine going into your job and taking a pay cut i know they make millions of dollars but just a hard decision to to weigh in in a Mm -hmm. sense so we'll see on frank clark i I think the chiefs are fairly optimistic Uh, if we're playing that game that we played last segment john i'd say that frank clark will be cut because I, I just I think the cap number will have to be just cut too far, too far down for right. him to want to take a pay cut. Uh, like I, Sammy Watkins did.
2: Right. I'll go along with you on that. I think that I think that this is just going to be too hard for them to manage and ultimately he'll be gone. In fact, I think it's kind of interesting that it hasn't happened already, which is, is why is which is why Veach is saying, yeah, it's still possible because if they didn't think it was possible, they would have cut him at the same time they cut Anthony Hitchens. That's what happened a year I ago. I think the thing with Clark is you got to you got to be honest with yourself in the
1: sense that on the open market you're not going to get what would be that amount of of, of money, right? So mm-hmm. why right. not just take that cut here and restructure? I, mm-hmm. I it's a lot easier, I think, to stay with the same team. So uh, we, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah. with Frank Clark.
2: Well, Other you new... and I, you know, we, we always say stuff like that, but we're not NFL players. We're not, we don't live in that world no. and it's hard for Maybe us to not. really appreciate it.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll see. Maybe you're not, John. I have mean, been trying to tr- do some push-ups this off season. Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah.
2: Well, let's, you can do that let's, yourself. <laughs> let's talk about
1: uh, the buzz for this playoff overtime rule change. The Indianapolis Colts say mm. that they want to have both teams in overtime touch what would be the football this coming after the chiefs won the coin toss against the Buffalo bills. And then they scored on the first possession and Josh Allen, who was playing the game of his life, right. never ended ended up touching the football. And I know that, it. and I wrote an article on this. I know that it might irk chiefs fans that this is happening now, as opposed to a couple years back. But what I tried to remind folks is, is that this has been a, I think a big problem for a long time in, in the NFL, where you're getting to these parts of the year where you've played 17, 18 weeks, and maybe you won a playoff game, and you get to this part of the season, and it comes down to this final quarter, and your quarterback in a quarterback league, you've waited so long for this quarterback, is not touching the football. I know how hard that was for Chiefs fans to watch the Patriots do it. So, again, it, it benefited the Chiefs this time, but you think about where it probably would have been fair for Allen to touch the football. So the Colts have submitted this proposal where both teams need to touch it. I know the Buffalo bills are working on something. Uh, Brandon bean is the GM in which uh, they're suggesting that it be a time limit where you just play another 10 minute quarter or 15 minute quarter. And it just kind of carries over like they, they would do in overtime in other sports. I don't know what the exact amount of minutes would be, but that would play into the strategy. Uh, but I, I, what I tell you is I think this, this gets changed in some way this offseason. I think by the time we get to next year's playoffs, and it might just be playoffs only, there's going to be a rule where the touchdown is not just going to end the game on the first possession. And granted, I know it is a little annoying, and I completely understand that if you're a Chiefs fan. I think it is better for the game overall. And I had a couple of fans in the comments on my Twitter saying this will help the Chiefs in the long run. Mahomes is not going to be struggling mm-hmm. forever. He's still the best mm-hmm. quarterback in the league. He's still the favorite to win the MVP. If you're playing a team in the playoffs and they score a touchdown and he doesn't touch the football. That's a huge disadvantage. If he does, let's say the Chiefs go down and tie the game and then they can maybe go for a two-point conversion with their best play by Andy Reid and Nat Nagy and now the enemy. I think you're in in, in the long run going to benefit from that. I would agree with those fans that were in my Twitter mention. So, I think you bite the bullet and, and enjoy some sudden or what wouldn't be sudden death. I guess you should say over time playoff football.
2: Yeah, uh, you know when we've talked about this before. I think the last time we talked about it, I mentioned that the uh, that there was little statistical difference under the current formula. Uh, that you know it wasn't it wasn't slanted towards the to- the coin toss, but in the playoffs it is a little bit uh, that the coin toss carries a little more weight in the outcome of the game. And I think that's because everything's on the line, you know, in a, in a, in a regular season game uh, you're not putting everything out there in the overtime period. And that's why I think it's okay for it to stay the way it is for the regular season. I'm not really in favor of anything that could possibly uh, add another quarter to three or four games in a season. I mean, Look, there's. It, it's not unusual for teams to have two or three games that are decided in overtime over the course of a season. Do you really want players to get a full quarter of work in in those two or three games? Uh, I, I don't I'm think the, so. I think you the, know. I think
1: the system is fine for regular season. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I just think it feels. It feels like you're being robbed of maybe a moment yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Which, which Absolutely. Yeah. Makes sense to, to change for me.
2: And I and I and I agree that we're going to see some kind of a change. I, I think I think the postseason, they just need for it to look more fair to be not just to look more fair, but to be more fair uh, on on some level. I think there's just too much riding on it uh, to have a coin toss to have that much a, a effect on the outcome of the game. And right now, unfortunately, it does. And um, you know what that will look like. I don't know. It could go a lot of different ways, but, uh, uh, but I agree with you. I think we're seeing, we're going to see a change come. I know that it would have been nice for it to happen after the chiefs um, had their issues in the 2018 AFC championship game. But part of the trouble was that the chiefs were there with the proposal. And I think it would have been hard for the owners to vote for that because it looks like, you know, sore losers get their way. (laughs) And I think now that it's happened in, A couple of other games since then and the proposing team has no dog in this fight i think it'll be a lot easier for the owners to go along with it
1: the first possession thing has happened seven times i wrote that in the article you can go read it if you want it says timing a potential playoff rule might irk chiefs fans but i i do think it it changes and i think chiefs fans should be ready for that all right john two quick stories i want to get to before we go don't have a, a ton of time the chiefs promoted donald d alessio to safeties coach so they go away from cornerbacks coach lean into what uh, the alessio did as a defensive back at at youngstown state where he worked his way up from quality control the defensive line coach the co-defensive coordinator to defensive coordinator had some success at the college level came to the chiefs last year as a defensive assistant and so obviously did the right things behind the scenes to earn this spot Mm -hmm. when it, when it came open with Sam Madison going to Miami to become their pass game coordinator and defensive backs coach. I think the more interesting thing than DLS CEO, who I'm assuming we'll get to know, in the handful of assistant days that we get mm-hmm. in training yep. camp. And as the 2022 season goes along. I think the, the cooler part of this is what Andy Reed said to Sam Madison. And and I think it, it's always cool to remember that this is the, the human game. They're humans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These guys are real. And he he told Sam Madison as, as great as Madison has been for the chiefs. He wanted him to go home to Miami. He has uh, housing there. He played for the dolphins. And so I just thought that was a really cool aspect. Madison was, was thrilled that Andy Reed said, Hey, Go go and be a coach in, in your home hometown team with your hometown team.
2: Yeah, well, this is why players and coaches love Andy Reed. It's just yeah. that simple. And it's and this is why players and coaches are willing to do anything for Andy Reed. This is an example of that. Um, and I think this is why players and coaches listen to Andy Reid when he says, you know, we're not gonna look past this opponent we're going to treat every game exactly the same way this is how you become a leader is that you respect the people who are working for you and andy reed does that over and over and over again i know it it grates on some people that he isn't a taskmaster and he's not tough (laughs) but i don't know that that really means anything anymore i think i think reed has found the formula that works for him Maybe for some other coach, it wouldn't, but it works for Andy. And I, I think it's great. And this is a great example of, of, uh, of how he makes it work.
1: So we go from Andy Reid, the head coach of the chiefs to, and I should say back to a former head coach of the chiefs in Todd Haley to Todd Haley mentions in 2022, but <laughs> the United States football league, the reboot, which is coming back to you April sixteenth. So if you really are longing for football, you yeah. can watch the USFL. Mm-hmm. Three of the startup draft picks have ties to the Kansas City Chiefs. First one is Shea Patterson, the Michigan Panthers. He spent an offseason with the Chiefs, didn't even make it to, to training camp. He was the first overall pick. He actually was a a undrafted free agent out of Michigan. So I could tell the organization is leaning into those Michigan sure. fans. that want yeah. some more Patterson. So he he's back he was replaced or he was beaten out by Jordan Ta'amu, who ended up being the second pick of the Tampa Bay Bandits, which is the head coach, uh, Todd Haley. So it's the Ta'amu-Haley contingent in Tampa Bay uh, where they will be going after that elusive USFL uh, championship, not because it's hard to beat the other teams, but because we're not sure if the league is going to make it to the championship. Uh, We we aren't (laughs) sure about that. So Jordan (laughs) Ta'amu goes to the Tampa Bay Bandits. And then with pick number three, quarterback Brian Scott, who got a tryout with the Chiefs. He goes to the Philadelphia Stars. So pretty interesting. The top three Mm -hmm. picks of the USFL. Again, if you're longing for football, that begins April 16th. Jordan Ta'amu was the most exciting player in the XFL. Hasn't really been able to stick in the Mm -hmm. nfl yeah it seemed like he had a chance with the chiefs and then got covid and that was sort of the last Mm -hmm. that we kind of saw of him you wonder maybe if there was more i don't want to speculate there uh but anyway uh there you have it some usfl chiefs products
2: so to speak john here's here's my question uh as the tampa bay bandits prepare for the right. opening of the you season, are,
1: you are a lifelong Tampa Bay Bandit fan, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I am. I okay. am. Uh, and and as they prepare for the opening of the season here in the next few weeks, will they be allowed to wear the team logos on the sides of their helmets until they make the team? That's, That's my question. question. At this point, is as it, long as it, they go above two and fourteen. I'm not even sure <laughs> if there are any.
1: I'm not even sure if there's 16 games in this. Um, they will be playing at tampa stadium so john is a lifelong fan we'll have to get you involved with tampa pride uh, as that season kicks off
2: we'll go down all there right. and hang out with rocky watch a bandits game
1: yeah the rock the rockster all right well shout out to rocky Maganya, who is a, a great contributor for us right here on the airhead pride podcast network during the season we're keeping it going with some off-season drafts content ron copp is, is doing a tremendous job i talked about the coast to coast if you like it Please leave a rating and a review. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com for your NFL Combine coverage. We are entering the start of the league year in just a couple weeks here. So you blink and you blink again and you blink again and training camp will be here. So it uh, should be some exciting times as we, we dive into the month of March. Some new Chiefs that you may know from around the league will be coming. So keep it locked in. Keep your ears locked in. Keep your eyes locked in. Arrowheadpride.com. For John Dixon and Stephen Serta behind the digital glass. I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.